returning to normal broadcast in three, two, one. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. I improved my credit score. You're kidding, right? Uh, no. How are we supposed to be the bad boys of electrosynth pop if you're out there being responsible? The band is about to be discovered. This is our year. Uh, yeah, you've been saying that for a while now. You think anyone in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was worried about their credit score? I never really thought that Of we were... course they weren't. Rock stars aren't supposed to think about that kind of stuff. We're supposed to think about how many guitars we've smashed, write aggressively sensitive power ballads, start questionable fashion trends, tragically break up and blame creative differences. All right, all right, just... I thought maybe it was time to take control of my finances, you know? Start using a budget. Get out of debt. Set some goals. A budget? Debt? Set some goals? Listen, I knew that we'd have our creative differences, but I was hoping they'd involve a little more scandal. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Charles the Carpet King will carpet your entire house for only $39. That's right, your entire house for only $39. But don't expect Charles the Carpet King to do it himself because Charles the Carpet King passed away last week at 47 from the same disease that got his father, so he won't be around for his family. And sadly, it could have been detected early with a simple test, but Charles didn't get it. Have you gotten the medical test you need? For a list of tests every man should have, go to ahrq.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. You're listening to Real People of Orange County, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. This show is a fun and informative look inside the lives of Orange County's best and brightest. These are people who serve their community in a meaningful capacity on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Well, welcome to the show. I am, as always, excited to be here with you weekly. I am Kimberly Martin, and I am your host of Real People OC, and each week I get a chance to really sit down and say, okay, who needs a shout out in the county? And I take some time to find our guests, and I just am always so blessed by the fact that there are so many amazing people making wonderful contributions to our community. And I think you should know about them. And so I take some time to get to know some people and figure out how we, um, how we get to hear their stories. And sharing their stories is important. I think that's how we learn from each other. I think that's what makes us better people is knowing people a little bit more in depth. So we devote this hour to finding out about different members of the community. And so I just, I'm just thankful that you come along with me. If you're just tuning in, this is Real People OC, and again, I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. And each and every week, we like, uh, we like to feature um, members of the community, and I want to make sure you can get to us. If you're um, not able to listen to the show airing Thursdays from 4 to 5, you can podcast this show anytime you like, and you can listen to me while you sleep. <laughs> I keep telling my husband that. He's not listening to my show regularly enough. <laughs> If, if my voice puts you to sleep, go ahead. But um, you can follow, find us on College Radio um, by searching College Radio on iTunes. That's another great way. Podcast, you can go to KUCI.org and uh, stream live if you're not in the area, but you want to listen to KUCI and you're out of our broadcast range. So lots of different ways you can tune in with us. And we're getting really excited, getting geared up for our fun drive that's coming up here next week. So next week we'll be talking about how wonderful KUCI is if you haven't already figured that out. So um, without further ado, I want to talk um, and introduce today's guests. 
I have three beautiful ladies sitting before me, and they are beautiful both inside and out, and you're going to find out why today. But the most important thing is, is that we start having discussions in our, in our community and, you know, just in society in general about things that affect people deeply. And one of the topics that we're going to really dig deeply into today is the art and, and the importance of good caregiving. And a caregiver can be, gosh, a caregiver can be any number of people, um, and you can become a caregiver for any any number of reasons. I happen to know a little bit about this. My husband and I operate a board and care for the elderly, and so we work in depth with people, um, helping them with the activities of daily living throughout their um, throughout their day and throughout their weeks, just to get them to manage the basics. But you might be a caregiver of a child. You might be a caregiver of um, of a loved one that has suffered from a horrible injury. You might be a caregiver for all different reasons, and you might have been thrust into that situation unknowingly. So we're going to talk a lot about the um, importance of good care. We're going to talk today about the importance of mental fitness while you are caregiving. Um, a lot of the different elements that come into play when you care for somebody. And so I brought in some experts, and I'm really excited to have um, the CEO of Home Instead Senior Care, Nida Pobletti, and she brought two members of her team with her, both that have um, their own integral part of the equation. Carol Ann Gillespie is a caregiver, and Liz Barman, who also works with Home Instead, was for a very long time a client, somebody in need of some good caregiving. So I... I want to give um, I want to give a brief introduction of Nida, and Nida has been a nurse for over 30 years and has about 25 years of experience in elder care. And you know, I I guess, ladies, why don't you just say a quick hello so everybody can hear your lovely voices? <laughs> hello, Kimberly. Uh, this is Nida, and we're very very blessed and very honored to be here as your guest this afternoon. Thank you. And um, Carolyn and and Liz, go ahead and say a sh- quick hello to the folks out there listening. Hi, this is Carol Ann, and happy to be here today. I don't happen to be working right now, but I'm going to be giving you some information from the caregiver point of view. Very good. Hello, this is Liz Barbin, and I have been both a client and now I'm community relations for Home Instead out there just spreading the good news. That's right. And I love Liz's story. She told me a little bit about herself the other day, how she was um, the CEO or CFO, big, big muckety muck, we'll just say in the business world. Not really. (laughs) And is, uh, well, that's, you know, that's kind of the way if we were to look at it on paper. Yes, you were. And um, was really called to do this kind of work. So we're going to get to hear about uh, Nida's wonderful career and how she's devoted her life to this, but also um, why we as a community need to really become educated on some of these more important aspects of caregiving because they usually happen to you um, or you usually get thrust into the situation under stress and you don't have time to do the research. So we want to put a little uh, put a little word out there in the community so you can learn about this maybe in advance. Maybe you have a, an aging parent and you just want to know what's coming down the pike for you, um, those kinds of things. So Nida, let's start, let's start with you. Um, talk mm-hmm. to me a little bit about why you got into this business and, and what, this, what a career um, dealing with the elderly has been for you. Oh, Kimberly, I go a long way back. Uh, my nursing career started in 1979, 
And as you mentioned, I have 25 years of uh, experience in the elderly care business. Uh, I was fortunate that at an early age, I was recruited to be a consultant for hospitals and nursing homes and uh, residential care facilities for the elderly. Um, So I had a lot of exposure with seniors. And um, on a personal level, I took care of my mom to the very end. And uh, she was my best friend. It was a joy to take care of her. But... I had so many challenges along the way. And so when I had an opportunity to really do something with my nursing career, I figured why not home care for seniors? That seems to be the uh, best environment that they thrive in, uh, um, whatever it is that they call home. And so I took all of my professional and personal experience to practice and to use for this company to teach my caregivers how to be the best caregiver they can be, and at the same time provide the support that our family members, particularly the children of our elderly clients, go through. I think there's not enough information out there that they can easily tap into, or I find that when we are called by the family for help, um, this is the first time they're hearing about home care. So I think there is a certain uh, need for education um, out there on Okay, good. Well, so what specifically is home care and and how is it different from some of the other types of care for, let's just say in this example, we'll we'll talk about the elderly, but this really does apply to lots of different life circumstances. So we can get into those a little later. Right. Well, home care can be delivered two ways. Uh, There's a type of home care that is uh, provided by the skilled professionals like nurses, physical therapists, occupational therapists, anybody who needs a license to practice. That is called home health. Uh, Home care, the non-medical aspect of it, is having professional caregivers, or sometimes called personal attendants, or uh, homemakers, who come into the home to help the seniors, or or whoever the client is, with the activities of daily living that you mentioned. Uh, Activities like helping uh, them with personal grooming, bathing, maybe cooking a meal for them, reminding them to take their medication, uh, taking them to appointments for medical appointments, uh, picking a prescription, doing some light housekeeping tasks, um, ensuring that they have a safe environment. And sometimes it could be something as simple as companionship uh, for people who uh, are dealing with uh, a difficult time in their life, maybe somebody who lost a spouse. And um, there is a, a great epidemic of depression amongst the elderly. Yes. And they lose social connection. And uh, the companionship becomes a very important uh, part of providing home care. And uh, to, to that end, home care really also um, lets you know that what we're, our goal is is to keep the senior in their own home. Um, if as much as it's as it's possible it isn't always possible it isn't Mm -hmm. always financially feasible but Mm -hmm. that um, that desire to let them live out their life in the environment that they've Mm -hmm. created for themselves as long as they can would also be a big aspect of this right yeah that's absolutely correct Kimberly and I would add to that definition of keeping them at home as long as possible is keeping them at home safely Yes, uh, because they can stay at home, and we so often see uh, elderly who are trying to to do it uh, by themselves. But we also see a lot of uh, trips to the hospital, to ER, maybe a, a fractured hip here and there, or uh, 
uh, maybe a dislocated shoulder. Uh, it is important that you honor their desire to live at home, but doing it in a way that is safe for them. Now, um, why, so we, we're talking about caregiving. So many times the caregiver is a family member, isn't that correct? That is correct. Uh, the family caregiver or caretaker, sometimes they are referred to. And uh, typically that is the, the child who lives the closest to the parent. Yes. Uh, the daughter. Uh, who maybe is the closest to the parent. Um, sometimes you take on the responsibility voluntarily and sometimes it's just thrust upon you and you don't have a choice uh, about it. So uh, That seems to be the case more often than not, right? Yes. Well, Kimberly, I just recently read statistics on family caregivers and they say that the average person out there who has responsibility for their elderly parent um, takes about 30 hours a week. Uh, of their time to take care of their elderly loved one. And that's practically a second job. It is, and I would have to say, I probably would venture to say it's more than 30 hours. I mean, if that's the average, um, that maybe is somebody that requires very little care, actually. So when, when, a, when a loved one takes on that job, I don't think they realize just how, um, how difficult it's gonna be, but more importantly, how all-consuming it's gonna be. Mm-hmm. Very often what I notice is that I'm a busy mom right now and I'm, I'm definitely the caregiver or caretaker of these three little kids. Mm-hmm. And just to manage their lives is kind of like, I mean, there's no time for self-care. There's mm-hmm. just, you know, mm-hmm. you barely have enough time to schedule a shower, let alone, you know, yes. how, do, how you do all the other things. But when you are caring for an elderly person, it's actually a little more challenging than caring for a child because they want to have a conversation. They um, need to interact. They had a life and they're dealing with no longer having that same access to their own life as they, they once had. Um, why, why would we maybe, like how could we help the people that are listening, family members that are potential caregivers or in this situation, how can we help them understand what they're going through as a caregiver, what um, they're losing to give over to that loved one? Well, uh, first thing, uh, Kimberly, I, I think that they need to uh, recognize the signs of stress. Um, I think all of us react differently to stressful situations, and sometimes it, it starts very subtly, and then it builds up over time. Uh, statistics uh, out there are very available in, um, in indicating that uh, family caregivers who have a lot of responsibility for an elderly loved one end up being more sick or having a major medical episode than the, than the person they're caring for. I certainly um, could see where that would be the yes. case. And, and unfortunately, even in this business, we have seen so many family members, whether it's a spouse or a child, um, spouses most especially, um, end up passing away before the uh, loved one that they're caring the for. The sick one. Very mm-hmm. tragic. And I would imagine that, that the root of all of that is in maybe some sleep deprivation and setting aside your needs for that other person so so stringently that you didn't care for yourself anymore. Well, I'll give you a very personal example here. Myself, for instance, Kimberly, about seven, eight years ago, I became the primary caretaker for my mom. 
even though I have four siblings, uh, and they're all very wonderful daughters to her and very good sisters to me, but they were, we were spread all over the place. And I lived the closest to my mom. I visited her every day, spent a good uh, number of hours every day looking in on her. And during that period of time, into the second year of my caregiving, uh, and I had two teenagers who lived at home at that time as well, um, and uh, was holding a career, running a company. I mean, all the stress were upon me. I developed diabetes, hypertension, my cholesterol went up, and I was barely 50 when this happened. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so, so it can creep up on you, you know. Um, Very quickly. You know, Liz, let's bring you into the discussion a little bit. One of the things we talked about you contributing was your own personal um, caregiving of your parents and why reaching out or when, when you knew you needed to reach out and get some help because that was something that was probably pretty important. Yeah, um, like Nida, my parents uh, were both here local. Um, I was the only sibling here in Southern California. So I was called upon and uh, felt very um, blessed to take care of both my mother and my father and just recently um, my mother-in-law. But my dad um, had some special disabilities. He had polio growing up. So I was very accustomed to caring for him at a very early age. Do you mean physically demanding you had to lift and um, help he, in that regard? Yeah, or? he walked with a limp and then later on in his senior years he was in a wheelchair. I he see. had upper body strength but uh, he was very strong-willed and he was one of those types of people that didn't think he needed any help. Mm. So, so there, there were been a caregiving was uh, uh, he didn't like that term so we called him his caregivers bodyguards 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 oh, or personal assistants like uh, Nida had said but uh, my first encounter with home instead was 10 years ago when I had some um, business trips that I would go on and I was not going to be there to fill in for when he needed and it seemed like every time they brought a caregiver um, to the house to take care of my father. It was just the perfect fit, the perfect personality, um, just a buddy that my dad could get along with. Um, and it was just truly a blessing to me uh, as a career woman, as a mother, as raising teenagers. I mean, I was just doing it all, working you know, 60, 70 hours a week and uh, not much time left for me so then you know my mother came along and then my mother-in-law did and um, uh, it's just been it saved my sanity it really has so now initially what you were seeking was respite care right we would we would say respite care is when maybe a family member needs to take a break or yes. they don't know they need to take a break mm -hmm. but uh, they need to get out of town yeah. um, they can call a service such as home instead mm -hmm. and have um, a certified caregiver brought in somebody mm -hmm. that's been trained somebody that understands a lot of the emotional aspects mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. of caregiving mm -hmm. um, those things we're going to get into as mm -hmm. we as we go down our talk but um, so the relationship really started with this type of care was through needing that that break but it also sounds like uh, he might have had a, an emotional aspect to his caregiving that could have been difficult as well, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, that seems to be that seems to be pretty pretty much a big part of it. It's not unusual for us, Kimberly, to find uh, a senior 
who is very, very resistant to, to having someone take care of them for a number of reasons. I think foremost is that having someone care for them seems to be an admission that they are now at that age where they cannot be independent. And their uh, dignity, their independence, that's very, very important to them, especially at this time. I always remind my caregivers uh, that it, it's very difficult for someone where the things that you used to enjoy and be able to do on your own are being taken away from you one by one. Your ability to take care of yourself, to remember your medications, to drive yourself to the grocery store, uh, to remember to pay your bills. Those can all be very um, uh, dehumanizing to the elderly and, and they feel like if they can hold on to that last bit of independence, uh, that they would like to do that. So we, we want to be sensitive when we're offering help. Uh, and like Liz mentioned, it's funny uh, referring to the caregivers as bodyguards, but... That's priceless. If, I'm going to yeah, use that one. Yeah. <laughs> if that's what works for them, you know, we had a client who was, who was so... Uh, resistant to having uh, help around but and she loved during her young days she loved to travel always went on different tours uh, and traveled quite a bit so the son told her that the caregiver is the tour guide oh priceless. And the tour guide took her around to different places and then sometimes we're the chauffeur sometimes we're the personal assistant and sometimes we're just the friend of the daughter who happens to be looking in on them so you do what it takes sometimes to provide uh, the care that they need in a way that doesn't make them feel like they're worthless now. So let's talk a little bit about caregivers because um, I would imagine it's difficult for family members to know when to call for help. And I think usually what I've observed is that they wait too late. Yes. So let's talk about that in-home caregiver, that family caregiver. When should they recognize some signs that they need to call for some external help? Well, Kimberly, you, you said it so perfectly. A lot of times they call when it's too late. Yes. We find that happening over and over. So the one advice that I will give, not just the seniors themselves, but the children, is to look into this type of care and to your options for senior care when there's no crisis, when everyone's emotion... That is so critical. Yes, when, because uh, typically we get called when one of the parents is in ER or in surgery for a fractured hip and they know fully well because they've been told by the doctor that your mom can't be by herself. So they're scrambling last minute to find that help for the parent. And some of them have traveled from all over the place and they are only in town for a few days. So. They make common. decisions that are very uh, sometimes not well thought of, and they make decisions in a hurry uh, based on emotions, and this is when conflicts arise. Uh, it's been said that a crisis, a health crisis in the family can either make or break the family. Mm -hmm. And we find in this business that a lot of times a lot of sibling conflicts arise during times like this. 
Well, and you're usually pretty sleep deprived if you've gone through a physical event with one of your loved ones. Mm -hmm. And it's not the best time to make a decision, even though, like you said, you know, oftentimes we hear this happening to us all the time Mm -hmm. where the Mm -hmm. a family member will be in the hospital Mm -hmm. and the hospital just tells them they have one day left of insurance and then they got to go somewhere. Right. And I can't believe how often that happens. Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. boom, you know, they tell them, boy, they can't go home alone. And Mm -hmm. like you said, the family member's flying out of town and it's just, and you meet everybody under duress it's really really avoidable (laughs) and if you're if if you're asking for guidelines on when to call for that help well I think that uh, the holidays are a good time to really get together with your siblings when everyone is around observe what's happening with mom and dad Uh, yeah take a look at is is this has mom lost weight how is the upkeep of the house is it it is more uh, unkempt and it usually is what about their personal hygiene mm-hmm. uh, are they keeping appointments are they socializing enough have those kinds of things declined those are all indicators of somebody who is perhaps not uh, getting the proper care mm-hmm. that they need or probably somebody who's depressed because they start isolating themselves and they they don't want to participate in activities or maybe it's a simple vision problem. They can't see that their clothes are soiled and they keep wearing the same clothes over and over again. Uh, It's important to know that the baseline, did mom or dad used to be like this? And when you see a marked difference in how they are with their appearance, with their memory, with the conversations they have with you, Sometimes I even tell the, uh, the children of, of our clients, when they visit, look at the kitchen. Is there food in the pantry, in the refrigerator? Is in, it old uh, or outdated yeah, and exactly. dangerous to eat? Yeah. Expired medications uh, or scorched pots and pans. I know that this is something people don't usually check, but it could be an indica- indication that's, that they're trying to... Uh, help themselves and they cook and they forget and they leave the pots and pans on the stove longer than they need to. Right. Excellent, excellent advice. And if you are even remotely in this situation, those are wonderful, wonderful cues to look into. Um, If somebody were to be looking for a caregiver, how do they go about doing that? I know there's so many different ways, but gosh, it just scares me how common and easy it is to look for caregivers out there in the world. I know that I know that people connect to some great people online mm-hmm. just by mm-hmm. meeting them either through Craigslist or mm-hmm. I know there are websites specifically devoted to care, but not always a good idea, especially if you don't plan on living in the area to leave your loved one with somebody that really mm-hmm. doesn't have to go through much of a background check. That's yes. a huge part of this equation. Yes. So. You're, you're absolutely right, Kimberly, and I'm not saying that you can't find good people that way, but uh, pretty much when you don't know who you're getting and without the benefit of a background check, reference check, or, or uh, a company, a legitimate established company who is vouching for that employee and who's taking the responsibility for that employee, uh, I'd be very careful. Um, when you talk about options for finding caregivers, there's this usually three three ways that uh, people do it. Uh, they find that private caregiver through word of mouth or, like you said, through advertising, um, the web, maybe the penny saver, or maybe a friend from church. Um, 
But there again, you take the chance that that private individual um, may not be properly screened and trained, and you don't know their background. And then there are registries or so-called placement agencies out there which uh, hire the caregivers and find them, but they don't necessarily do the proper check and background check and training of those caregivers as well. And when they place someone with you, uh, you basically, the senior or the family who hired that caregiver become the employer. So you take on the employer responsibility for this caregiver, which could be enormous depending on, you know, uh, what you have these caregivers do and how much time they spend Boy, in your parent truth. home. Yes. So they're starting to then, that you would find yourself wading through the quagmire of being an employer and that it can be very tricky, especially in the state of yes. California and getting trickier by the day. We won't yes. touch on that so much today, even though yes. that's a big, big topic. Yeah. And also I think this is Liz, just scheduling the employees. If you have that one independent and that they can't sh- um, make it on a particular day. Have it in company like Home Instead. Have multiple caregivers, multiple caregivers that can fit into that. Yeah, yeah that's very helpful. So, of course, Kimberly, the ideal situation is the third choice, which is, of course, what we're advocating, is to to find a, a company, which is what we call an employer model. Uh, that's somebody, what Home Instead is, is an yes, employer model? An employer okay. model. And what that means is that we are responsible for recruiting, finding, hiring, screening the caregivers. And once we hire them, they are W-2 employees, which means we pay the employer taxes uh, for those employees. And on top of which we cover them with insurance uh, that is necessary to protect the consumer, so the workers' compensation insurance. So if they are ever injured while doing their work, they're not the responsibility of the elderly client. Uh, the the family hiring the caregiver doesn't take on or assume that responsibility. Yes. So in other yes. words, their homeowner's insurance wouldn't cover the injury. They are protected by that relationship they have with the no. employer model. Yes, and well, most people do assume that, that the homeowner's insurance would uh, would protect them from that, but it does not. Um, so they have to dip into their assets to yes. do so. Yes, and uh, then we're talking about liability insurance, criminal bonding, drug screening, uh, a national criminal background check, those are all things that a responsible employer model company will be doing. And when you're worrying about the care of your beloved parents, the last thing you want to be worrying about is, is this person that you've hired somebody you can trust them with? That's true. They're in your own home. They're taking care of your most loved, you know, family member. The last thing you want to be worrying about is did I hire the right person? So if you're just tuning in, this is Real People OC, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. And I have with me uh, three ladies, and we're engaging in a really interesting discussion on we're, we're, we're tailoring the conversation to elder care, but really we're going to talk a little bit more about caregivers and caregiver stress, because that could apply to all you know different manner of scenarios. And, it, and there's some important things to look for when we're... Um, when we're putting somebody we love in the care of another. And so we're ferreting out a lot of this stuff today. And so thank you for joining us. I want to bring Carol Ann into the discussion. Carol Ann, um, you've been a caregiver for many years. Let's talk a little bit about what that was like for you. Well, I started out um, many years ago being a family caregiver as well, and then eventually came into uh, this area of the business after I had already been in residential environments like assisted livings, dementia care, etc. When I met Nida and uh, saw the way she 
uh, was so careful about selecting and being very careful about background checks and training and uh, the bonding and all the checking necessary to be done to provide the quality of care giver. Uh, I was very impressed with her, and I thought if I was going to be in this side of the business, I wanted to work for her. So I was, um, you know, also able to get a lot of training from her because she's also a nurse for many, many years, and so I've gotten a lot of that kind of training and background as well. So going out into the field, um, I not only did caregiving, but also met with the families to do uh, you know, maybe the assessment, the evaluation, speak to the families, see how they were, um, at what stage they were, as far as what kind of care this person uh, may need in the near future. But I would go a step further than even Nida said, as far as uh, not trying to do this kind of homework and research when you're in crisis. To families, I would say, do this kind of research and homework when you absolutely don't think you need it at all. That's the best time to gather your information because you are just doing the homework. Now, there's some great resources to that effect online. Um, I, there's like the five questions. There's, um, I, think, I think maybe you might actually have a resource here that we can share for people that, um, that want to go online and learn a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. You, you want to do this, can't stress this enough, you want to do this when you, when you don't think you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, the legal paperwork has to be in order, too. There's lots of yes. things that come into play with respect to that. And all of those things can be discussed when your loved one is not in crisis and yeah. you want to you want to nail those things down. We're all flipping paper madly in here to look up some of these resources. Well, one of the things that a lot of the families that I met with hadn't addressed, even at the time I would meet them, was things that we kind of take for granted. The list of the family contacts and their contact information. Do they have a living will? Do they have everything down, knowing exactly how this person would like to be taken care of? Uh, have they set up their power of attorney or their durable power of attorney, which is uh, making decisions about um, the medical care based on the, de- the desires of your loved one? How about uh, did they want to have a, what they call a DNR, do not resuscitate, or do they want to be what they call full code if anything happens to them and they're in a medical environment? Very, very often, families have not addressed lots of these issues, and then when a crisis happens, uh, they have to just go with uh, whatever the medical professionals um, think is the right thing for them to do at the time without any input from the family. Now, could they go to the Home Instead website for information regarding that? Would there be a resource there, links that they could find out about? Yes, there's plenty of links, plenty of resources on the Home Instead website, and it's www.homeinstead.com. And if they plug in, we are in uh, 18 countries, Kimberly. Oh, that's amazing. Home Instead is the largest franchise network in non-medical home care, and you could find us practically everywhere. And if they put in the zip code or the, the, where they live, they will find the nearest home instead office. And uh, while we have a national website, we have very uh, a customized and personalized website for each office where you could actually see who the, uh, the staff and where they're located. And uh, 
Uh, I would welcome them to even call Home Instead Senior Care uh, if they are not finding the information they need from the website. Our local number here, where our office, by the way, is based in Costa Mesa. There are four Orange County Home Instead offices. We are uh, the coastal Orange County uh, located in Costa Mesa, and our phone number is 714-444-4880. Okay, good. good. I want to go back, and we could get lost in all of those legal decisions that have to be made, but um, definitely go look for the resources so that you can find out about what you do need to know. Um, let's let's go back to the discussion on caregivers and caregiver stress, um, because I think I think that's just at the crux of so many of the problems that are out there. And if we um, we could maybe just understand what good care is out there. Maybe people would maybe not take it on quite so much on their own. So um, let's talk quickly about the profile of the person that you would seek to hire to put in this environment. Um, and then maybe you can decide if it's not you, then you accuse yourself from doing that job for your loved one. I know that I'm related to a few people I wouldn't want to be in my, be caring for me. So <laughs> Because it's a temperament, right? Well, it is. Uh, what we do, Kimberly, requires a lot of heart to do. And I, I always tell my staff and, and the caregivers that I look for people with a heart to do this kind of work. Because uh, let's face it, uh, to be able to provide personal care and to assist with grooming and cooking, a lot of people who have been housewives uh, would know how to do a lot of these things. And if you were ever a daughter taking care of your own parent, you would probably have a lot of the skills we're looking for. But do you have, like you said, the right temperament, uh, the personality, the patience, and uh, you know the heart of caring for the seniors? Um, we, our average or our typical, I would say, caregiver is uh, a female in their 40s, 50s, 60s, although we have a lot of caregivers in their 20s and 30s. Uh, we even have caregivers in their 70s and 80s. At one point, I had a, an, a caregiver who was 82, but she was, boy, she was more active than uh, you and I combined, probably. She could have to run us. And yes, this, this lady was very popular with uh, uh, the elderly in terms of uh, wanting a companion, a friend to sit with, to do things with. and. Uh, uh, while she was not able to take on certain types of clients, she certainly had a role to fill in Home Instead. So um, if you're looking for a caregiver, what are some of the things that you want to ask to know specifically about? Uh, well, I would ask, first of all, I would seek an employer model company is what I would do. And then... I'd have to agree with that. There, I mean, I... We, we've, we manage for our facility the same issues that you do, but I'm shocked at how few facilities actually follow those rules. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, the state is, is wonderful at doing their part, but they don't really, they, they don't have as far reaching touch as they can possibly have to manage daily care. And uh, it's, it's, it's stressful to think about how many people out there aren't able to or don't choose to follow the guidelines mm -hmm. when they're hiring care. Mm -hmm. So um, let's let's make sure we touch on a the training that is given through the employer mm -hmm. model that's so critical, but also um, some questions to ask when you're selecting a caregiver. Well, let's start with that, Kimberly, because you said something here that is so very important for the public to know, and I'm going to tell you this is shocking. 
There is no government oversight right now for non-medical home care companies. We are not under the jurisdiction of the Department of Health or the Department of Social Services as we speak. Now that said, there's a new legislation called AB 1217. That's Assembly Bill 1217 that recently passed and effective January of 2016 uh, they would require of home care companies to be licensed. But as we speak, we don't have that in place. So here's what happens. Uh, we can have a very small company that has two employees and call themselves a home care company and uh, with very limited resources, I might add. And then, of course, you can find a company like Homestead Senior Care that is part of a large franchise network that has the backing of a very successful established home office that pours a lot of resources into research and education, uh, materials, and, and just hiring experts to give us um, guidelines on how to improve the care of seniors in, in, in many different uh, conditions. And um, that support from home office is very, very essential to us and it allows us to really uh, watch the quality of what we do. Um, and in addition, we employ J.D. Power and Associates uh, to survey our companies at least two, three times a year uh, we get uh, we get into the issues of client satisfaction as well as caregiver satisfaction, and we voluntarily uh, submit to that. We don't have to do that, but we chose to. And in addition, the home office of Home Instead from Omaha uh, surveys every single franchise uh, a company. Um, the, the, the good part about being part of that large network of franchises is the, the power behind that in terms of education and training and standards. Huge component. Yes. Huge we, component. They have imposed very strict standards on each of the offices, which we're all bound to, uh, to comply with. But also, you have the benefit of a locally owned and operated uh, home instead office. So uh, most people don't want to deal with a large uh, corporate entity because they feel there's so much red tape. Well, the beauty of being that uh, individually owned and operated office where you have a local owner is that you, you don't have that. You have a local owner who is responsible for the operations of that particular office. And you get that small town handshake yes, kind of care. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So the benefit of both worlds, really. So what kind of training does a caregiver need to go through to be um, in the home alone with somebody? Um, Carol Ann's going to share well, that with us. As aside from uh, the basic training that NIDA requires before they can even take on an assignment, she has many, many ongoing, um, more upscale trainings. There's particular trainings for different kinds of dementia, for Alzheimer's, for Parkinson's, for uh, different safety in the uh, safety uh, features in the home, and uh, these things are all available for the caregivers to continue on with. Um, to improve the background that they have so that they can take on different types of assignments. But one of the things that I appreciated most out in the field 
was not only the training part and the background that we got from NIDA, but the ongoing support. There was always 24-7 availability in case something came up that we were not familiar with. We could always make a call at 2 o'clock in the morning if it was necessary to find out what to do and handle a particular situation. That is so huge. People don't realize what can go wrong with somebody that moves so slowly. <laughs> but it is just critical. I mean, I just the things that um, that can happen. That is that's a really important. That's a that's a good benefit for sure. And you know, Kimberly, we hear that over and over from our caregivers is how they appreciate the fact that they don't feel alone out there when they're taking care of someone because anything could go wrong. Like you said, I mean, one fall could change. You know that client's condition dramatically. Sure. And a caregiver needs to feel that even during emergencies, they are not alone. The office staff is, like Carolyn mentioned, available, a live person to talk to 24-7. So critical. Um, what are some of the things, Carolyn, that you notice as being a caregiver when you felt that some of the more difficult aspects of caregiving? I want to really get touch on that while we're in this discussion so people can maybe see themselves in this situation if well um in lots of instances when i would first meet with families or with um the particular potential client they very often don't think they need help at all uh, oh no so i'm indi- i'm independent you know well the idea of having these kind of services is so that we can help you stay independent don't put yourself in a situation where you can create that fall that breaks the leg or breaks the hip or breaks the knee that gives you that life-changing experience because i've heard lots of seniors say that uh this hip fracture or this uh broken leg has changed my life so you know, we try to provide the kind of services to, to do the things that can create that situation and avoid it. Um, okay, so that's something, that's how you might handle somebody who is resistant to maybe having care before an event mm-hmm. happens. Yeah, mm-hmm. we we give out the same advice that you need to, f- to place your loved one in mm-hmm. the safest setting before they get to an event that's mm-hmm. that's dangerous. What is very important, Kimberly, we find is that sometimes they don't really understand what it is that we do, and they themselves don't know what they need. We offer a free care consultation where we come to the home, meet with the elderly client or potential client, with the family members or whoever uh, has been uh, the uh, current caregiver, and we just get to know a lot about them, uh, their medical conditions, their idiosyncrasies, their allergies, uh, personality, uh, what type of caregiver would be successful working with them, observing constantly uh, the environment and providing uh, safety guidelines, a safety tour of the home, giving them some advice. and. This is all done at no charge to them. And what we hope to accomplish with that free consultation is to not only allow them to answer all the questions that they may have that would put them their mind at ease in uh, not only uh, learning more about home care, but learning more about our company. And hopefully it's as much an, an interview of us with them as it is an interview of them with us. And, uh, and, and we find that when that visit happens, they 
relax quite a bit and maybe they're not willing to jump on it right away but certainly would be thinking about it and maybe trying a few hours here and there and and that's something that we find is is very much a relief to them that we are not a uh, a, uh, a company that will tie them to a contract because the elderly do not want to be uh, tied to a contract and they're afraid of signing agreements and contracts. We explained that this is a, an agreement and it's temporary, it will last as long as they want it to and uh, you know it's certainly worth a try. Certainly, yeah. So um, Caroline, can you give us some stories about Um, why you think like the difference between somebody being in their home alone 24-7 which is often the case Mm -hmm. if a spouse has passed away um, can you give me some examples of some of the differences good caregiving can make in somebody's life well sure Um, in many instances um, when we meet uh, um, a potential client who was maybe married for 45 years, 55 years, and they've become very accustomed to how the uh, their spouse uh, took care of them, how, how they cooked, how they took care of the, of the home, uh, their particular uh, method of driving, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it's difficult for them to make the decision to have somebody to come in uh, to do that because it's unknown to them. So sometimes we try to come in uh, slowly, one uh, you know, one step at a time with one new thing that we can do to help them and make them feel comfortable with us. But very often, once they see how we work and they know that we're selecting the right people for them, it can be um, a real blessing for them because they then feel that uh, someone actually cares about them and is uh, taking care of them without forcing uh, the issue with them, that they can go slowly as they like. So for example, maybe you have somebody come in just for the morning hours to get them set up for their day and mm-hmm. provide a nourishing meal, at least that first one of the day. Sure. They don't have to at all start off with, say, somebody coming in every day. Sometimes we start off just coming in a couple of times a month, once a week, then a couple times a week. A lot of people don't want to be, um, don't want to hear the word caregiver. They don't want a caregiver to come in. So I can remember situations where um, we would call the caregiver the driver. And then they'd say, I love that bodyguard. Yeah, the driver, you know, and they'd say something like, boy, I wish somebody could help me uh, prepare meals. And I'd say, well, why don't you ask your driver? You know, she's a nice gal. She'll help you make your meals. You know, ask your driver if she'll vacuum the house or whatever, you know. I'm sure she would do it for you. Yeah. Well, so we're drawing down on our time surprisingly enough we have about four more minutes to finish our chat I I don't even think we tip the iceberg on this because it's amazing to me how how fast the time goes but I would imagine that there's a whole set you know we know elder care is big now because of the baby boomers that are coming of age is there is there some grand bit of advice that we can offer to them about either themselves entering this stage of life or maybe if they're ending up caring for, um, caring for an aging parent and and want um, want to do best by their loved one well, let's approach that two ways Kimberly because they're both important issues uh, the first is the uh, the issue of uh, being a caretaker for your parent uh, I think that probably the best advice I could give them is you don't have to do it by yourself it is okay to ask for help 
And as a matter of fact, it is preferred that you ask for help because, and, and Liz here will, will tell you that it's a very stressful time and uh, you neglect yourself, you neglect your family, maybe your marriage suffers a little bit, and that's the last thing your parents want for you. Uh, and yes, so asking for help is okay, and that you are not alone, and there's a lot of help available out there. Um, now, in, in terms of advice for the baby boomers uh, as it relates to their own aging, let me tell you, being around a lot of el- our elderly client, the one thing that I know I will do differently is to take care of myself better than our parents' generation have done in general. I think our, our uh, generation, we're more health conscious, which is good, but at the same time, we're always so driven too, and most of us probably spend about 60 plus hours at work every week. So take time for yourself, nurture yourself, your health, and um, just be more communicative with your own children. Our parents are not that generation who would be very open in saying, uh, son, daughter, I'd like to talk to you about my last will, or these are my wishes for my health care. A lot of times we have to fish that out of them. And uh, so I'd like to see the next generation, the baby boomers, to have a different outlook on that, in that they are actually making it easier for their children to help them you know, with their golden years. By the way, Kimberly, I think this is a good time to share that we have a communication guide booklet available called 5050. Uh, Our communication experts at Home Instead Senior Care have uh, recognized that a lot of the baby boomers have difficulty approaching difficult subjects with their elderly parents. Things like, uh, what are the options? Are you still safe at home? Maybe it's time to take the car keys away. Maybe issues about needing help. Um, This booklet, this communication guide is really excellent, very easy to use and uh, user-friendly. Can they get that by going to your website? They can call the nearest Home Instead office to them and again, go to the website. It's www.homeinstead.com and plug in your zip code and call the nearest Home Instead office. And if you don't get results that way, please call our office in Costa Mesa at 714-444-4880. Okay, good. Uh, final words from both Liz and Carol Ann. Liz, um, tell me what a, what a difference good caregiving did for you in your life. I got my life back. Oh, um, well and, said. And, I, and in the later years, I was able to be a daughter. And that was absolutely such a beautiful thing because when, although I did love taking care of my mother and my father and my mother-in-law, when I did have the additional help having um, them, I could go over there and have a relationship. And and be a daughter. Well said. Beautiful. Caroline, what about you? I wanted to add to something Nida said. She spoke about the 50-50 resource. Uh, I recommend to all the family members another resource we have called uh, the 40-70 rule. And that's also on the website. And that's when your parents hit 70 or you hit 40, that's when you need to be talking to them about these. Ah, Excellent advice. Ladies, we could talk forever on this and I wish we could, but we'll close the show for now and maybe welcome you back another time to talk about some of the more pressing issues um, that you deal with on a daily basis. Thank you so much, Kimberly. On behalf of my team here, what a blessing for us to be here and talk about something we love very dearly, senior care. And what a blessing it was to have you. Thank you so much. Bye for now.